1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Graybar Sports Overline. Those red swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Here we go. Right. Now, Matt Pauly on America's Sports Voice, King of OX. All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go.
2: Here we go. Here
3: we start a brand new week's worth of programs right here on KMOX. It is a Gray Bar Sports Open line. It is great to have you with us today. My name is Matt Paul. He got you for a full two hours tonight. We'll take you till 8 o'clock. At your service, we'll be rolling your way from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock this evening as Hancock and Kelly are going to be uh, in the house then. So we've got a lot going on here tonight on a Monday night. Here on KMOX. Yeah, This uh, this hour, Jesse Rogers is going to join us in about 10 minutes. National ESPN baseball reporter based out of Chicago. We'll talk a little bit about the NL Central. Today was a big day in Chicago as the Cubs officially introduced their new manager in Craig Council as he moves from Milwaukee to Chicago. How does that affect the balance of power in the NL Central? We'll get into that with uh, Jesse Rogers in just a little while. I was listening to uh, Chicago. Sports Radio a little bit today uh, after the press conference with Craig Council. I'll tell you what, they are they are excited in Chicago. They think that this is just um, a precursor of many more great things to come for the Cubs, that this is going to start off what is a very busy offseason for them. There is talk about even uh, getting a meeting with Shohei Ohtani. Reportedly, uh, when Shohei originally came to uh, the United States and came to Major League Baseball, met with the Cubs, liked a lot of what was going on there, uh, but didn't like the fact that at the time there was no DH in the National League. So uh, they there's a lot of optimism in Chicago. Is it is it legit optimism or not? We'll talk with uh, Jesse Rogers about that coming up uh, later on in the program, and then we'll we'll relate it back to the Cardinals. <sighs> we keep seeing uh, that the Cardinals are connected to everybody out there uh, today. There was a uh, there was a report, and look, this is just kind of a repeated report from what we've already heard here in St. Louis. In fact, I love Derek Gould of the Post Dispatch so much, uh, but there was a. Uh, there was a tweet that was sent out, I believe, by uh, John Morosi, saying that uh, the Cardinals are among teams showing early interest in Aaron Nola. And uh, God bless Derek Gould. He quoted that tweet and then uh, linked to the stories from the Post-Dispatch and STL Today where that exact thing had been uh, previously uh, reported. So we we knew there was interest, and now we'll see where that goes. We know that the Cardinals are going to have conversations with agents for just about every free agent pitcher out there, well, at the same time, we recently heard comments from John Mozeliak where he talked about the payroll getting to about what the expected payroll was for last year. Now, they never got to the expected payroll from last year, but people feel like that's a little bit of pumping the brakes in terms of what uh, the Cardinals might do this offseason. So we are going to uh, certainly touch on that as we move along throughout the course uh, of the program today and just really connect this back to uh, the Cardinals and what's going to go on here in uh, free agency as we're in that in. In between time this is the period the gm meetings are over the winter meetings are still a couple two three weeks away and right now yeah it's it's not a legal tampering period because you can go sign deals right now free agency is officially open but in many ways especially when it comes to the uh the big name high price free agents it feels like the possibility of those guys signing contracts that that door doesn't even open until we get to the winter meeting. So it almost feels like this is a tampering period for these few weeks where you can start to have some conversations with agents and agents can start to, um, you know, kind of assess what the, what the value is for their respective players and then start to try to drive that up. And uh, every time somebody signs, it takes somebody off the board and it's a, it's a question of um, a buyer's market or a seller's market, and you know, just what's available. Yeah, you know, we, we talked about this a lot. How when you're playing the game. As long as there are multiple teams that are interested in a certain position group, that's really good for the players who are available, but then all of a sudden, if those spots start getting filled, the market changes, and it can do a 180 very quickly. That's probably something that you know the veteran-savvy sports agents, maybe what they're best at is extending negotiations as long as they can possibly extend, but then knowing when it's time to go ahead and get a contract, it's kind of like playing the stock market, right? when you've got it when you're playing the stock market, what do you want to do? You want to sell high. You want to hold on to your stock or whatever else you know, mutual, whatever, whatever investment you might have. You want to hold on to it as long as you possibly can when it's in the upward direction. and then you want to, when it gets to its highest possible point, you want to sell it. You don't want to sell it too soon where it continues to go up. You don't want to sell it too late where it's already started going down. The idea is to sell it at its high point. In many ways, that is very similar to a baseball-free agency. If you are an agent, you want to keep your player unsigned until the market hits a point where your player is going to have the highest value. Because it's just going to continue to go up and up and up and up and up until all of a sudden it doesn't. And then it starts to go down because all of a sudden many of those jobs have been filled. So... That's one of the more intriguing aspects of the offseason, just watching how agents go about playing that game. And look, the game is being played on the other side as well, right? Like the All the, all the baseball executives, the general managers, the president of baseball operations, they're playing their game as well, trying to uh, get something to a point where they can feel like they're getting a value on a player, where more often than not, it really doesn't work that way, that the teams just get driven up and up and up and up and up, and that's probably the way it's going to be for the Cardinals this year. So much more on that coming up in just a while. We'll take a break, though. The reaction from Chicago as Craig Council is introduced as the new Cubs manager today. What does that mean for the balance of power in the NL Central? We'll discuss it coming up in just a moment. It's Gray Graybar Sports Open Line. A bar Sports Open Line continues right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to be with you as we continue on here on a Monday night. We're going to go to the Quiver River Electric guest line right now. And uh, welcome on to the program. He is a Chicago-based Major League Baseball writer, reporter for ESPN. He is Jesse Rogers. You follow him on Twitter, at Jesse Rogers ESPN. He joins us on the Quiver River Electric guest line. Jesse, appreciate you taking some time with us today. How are you? I'm doing well. How's it going down there? Uh, doing all right. Today was a big day in Chicago as uh, Craig Council officially introduced as the manager of the Cubs. What was your overwhelming takeaway from the comments from uh, Council today?
2: Yeah, I think he wanted something new, a new challenge, maybe a new payday, um, just something different. I think he probably, you know, without winning a World Series, they achieved as much as he probably could considering payrolls and everything. Now, obviously... If you get lucky in a playoff, you can, you, can, you can go far like the Diamondbacks did. But it just feels like he may have just tried everything he could up there and got as far as he could with that team and that organization and needed something different. It, it, it's not unheard of. Um, a lot of executives, smart people, in the, in the, even in the business world, think you know, nine, ten years at one place is, 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 is good, and then a, a new challenge is needed, especially if you're excellent in your field and you need that new challenge. And that's what he spoke of. Um, but again, I think the new paycheck helps as well. Uh, so just something different, but at least keeps him in the area. I think that was probably part of it as well. Um, he's familiar with the Cubs and what they're all about, what they mean in the, in the world of baseball and the brand that they, they bring to the table. And now he's part of that. Um, so I think that was kind of my takeaway. Uh, just a guy that uh, is near the top of his game, but wanting something new and different and, maybe a few more resources to help him out.
3: Yeah. I spent seven years in Milwaukee and I I think the world of Craig Council as a manager, and I always thought they got the most out of a lesser lineup and lesser roster in Milwaukee. Now he might get the opportunity for a greater roster in Chicago. Does he do you feel like he still is able to have that kind of impact or he's able to get the most out of what he has?
2: I think so. I mean, that was one of the questions I put to him and In Chicago, we've seen this act before. Joe Madden came from a small market and then had success in a big market. Here he is, uh, Milwaukee, similar to Tampa Bay, one of the smaller markets in the game, and then now he's coming to a big market. I think there's something to that. I even mentioned the Andrew Friedman effect, I call it, you know, executive in a small market taking those kinds of things he learned and bringing it to a big market and applying it. Um, So I I think he understands all the little things it takes, and there's a real-world evidence that that those small market managers or executives who take their philosophy to a big market, it kind of helps. Like Joe Madden was really good with young players, for example, when he came from Tampa Bay, because they never bought veterans, right? They only had young players. So in order to win, you need those young players to feel comfortable right away. Joe Madden was really good at getting the most out of young players. And then he brought that philosophy, philosophy to Chicago. When, in 15, it was a very young team. In 16, when they won it all. So in that similar vein, I'm not saying council is great with young players. There's other attributes I'm sure he'll bring to the table. When you're in a small market, you have no margin for error. You, you need to do all the little things correct. So take, take that philosophy and bring it to the big market. So I think, I think it'll be interesting. I think, and he even said this will be something different, like just squeezing every ounce of ability out of a big payroll as he did with a small payroll. And I think that's, that's huge in any big market. We saw San Diego and New York falter in those kinds of areas. So I'm interested to see that small market mar- mar- mentality brought to the Cubs, just like uh, Joe Madden did back in uh, 2015, 16, 17.
3: Council talked about maybe you know pushing the buttons of Jed Hoyer a little bit, and well, maybe by definition Jed Hoyer's the boss, when you look at how much money Council's making and the long-term implications, like is this more of a partnership between these two guys, and, and are they going to try to make each other better? Yeah, I mean I think that's any manager and GM relationship, but
2: look, Bruce Bochy is going to deal differently with his GM than than the guy before him, right? Jace Tingler or, or some of these other guys that have been around that didn't didn't really have a lot on their resume. It's just a different relationship when you've done something in the game, and both Jed and, and Craig have done some things in this game. So I do think they push each other at, at, at some intellectual level, but it just simply comes down to experience. They both have it and have been pretty good at their jobs. So combine that, and we'll see what what, the, what it brings to the Cubs who – who are trying to build something again after tearing it down back in 2021.
3: After the press conference, I, I tuned in and I listened to sh- some Chicago sports radio today, and it feels like the excitement and the optimism about the Cubs is about as high a- a- as it's been in-, in quite some time. What does this mean for Cubs fans that these decisions are being made, and maybe what does this mean for what's going to happen for them for the rest of the offseason?
2: Yeah, I think people are excited about the direction of the team without Craig Council being hired. But most people feel like if you're paying $8 million to a manager now, you're just not going to have a nothing roster, right? You're going to try to improve and try to win. So I think it, it bodes well either way, but especially well when you have that kind of a manager in place. I think they're going after Otani. I think they're going after the Japanese imports, the pitching guys, Yamamoto and Imanaga um, and, and those likes. I don't think Bellinger is going to re-sign. I think they're going to make a big play at Otani, and that be their left-handed bat that they bring in if they lose Bellinger, which I think they will. So they're going to be in on, on the, on the major names, but they're going to be um, sort of targeted. I don't think they're necessarily in on Snell. And like I said, I think Bellinger leaves, but those Japanese pitchers and Otani are interesting and they'll probably look at a third baseman or um, interest in Pete Alonso via the trade market because they have a good farm system. Again, in fact, I, I think they will make one decent sized trade this off season. So they're a big market team, and they're starting to act like it again after a little bit of a retool um, and, and the down couple years there in 21 and 22. And so let's see what it brings. But you start with a guy like Council, um, most people think big things are
3: ahead. A couple more questions for Jesse Rogers from ESPN. He covers Major League Baseball. This is a silly question to ask you on November 13th, but I'm going to ask it nonetheless. Are the Cubs the team to beat right now at this very moment in the NL Central?
2: Well, I think that's a good point, and I think the answer is yes because of what, how they finish the season, 83 wins. They bring in this manager. Um, Milwaukee's in a bit of a transition just by definition alone with the, with the manager situation, and um, the fact of the matter is we don't know what St. Louis is going to look like when they have stated they need to rebuild like two or three-fifths of their starting rotation alone. So I, I would put them right there. Um, I'm sure the Cardinals will have a rebound, i got to imagine Milwaukee takes a step back, losing council the way they did. So, um, yeah, I would say they're the favorites, but uh, the Reds have a great young position player base. They'll probably fill some pitching needs. I mean, it's it's incomplete, like you said, but I I wouldn't necessarily put anybody ahead of them right now, the way uh, things are going and the way they finished the season last year. And they didn't finish it strong, but I just mean having 83 wins is a good precursor to, to what they think is going to happen next year.
3: What's your gut on David Ross on when we might see him back managing baseball? Yeah, I think he'll get another shot. I, I don't think he did all
2: that wrong. They didn't wholly underachieve under him or anything like that. It was probably more about counsel than it was about Ross. Um, he's still developing as a manager. Um, I, I, I've heard similar things that you may have you know, seen out there, that the Padres were kicking the tires on him a little bit. Um, so it's not like he's just going to go away. For forever here, he's 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 got a good reputation. He's got a good name. I just don't know if it'll happen this year, uh, but I could see it happening a year from now. There's seems to be what a half dozen openings every season, right? Yeah, there's no, reason David Ross, there's no reason David Ross can't fill one of
3: them. And he would do a good job on TV for a year or two if he had to do that. Really cool story, though, with him yeah. reaching out to Craig you know, They hired Craig Council as he is still the manager. You have every reason in the world to be bitter, and I'm sure there's a part of him that is, uh, but it's not totally Craig Council's fault. And, and uh, they talked today that Council received a nice message from Ross.
2: Yeah, they actually talked, I think, the day that he got hired and fired, you know, both of them simultaneously uh, going through what they went through uh, last week. So, yeah, he immediately reached out. Very nice of him. Uh, don't know all the details, but certainly Craig Council said it was a very, um, you know, respectful call. And he probably made Craig feel a little bit better because it is a little wonky the way it went down. Yes, they called Craig, but he was interviewing for a job behind the back of a manager that had the job a little, little wonky in the in the managerial, uh, managerial fraternity. Um, so I'm sure he made Craig feel better, to be honest, knowing Ross. And that that probably made a huge difference in terms of Council's just demeanor coming out of that whole thing. So yeah, he's a class act. I have nothing but good things to say about David Ross. I think he's a fine manager. He probably isn't Craig Council yet or Bruce Bochy or one of the best, but he certainly is deserving of another job. And and look, let's face it. If, if not for counsel, he'd still be the manager mm-hmm. of the Cubs. So it tells you what the Cubs thought about him. They didn't fire him October first. They fired him after they got a you know a yes from counsel.
3: He is Jesse Rogers, covers Major League Baseball. He's based out of Chicago for ESPN at Jesse Rogers, ESPN on Twitter. Jesse, I know it's been a really long day with all this going on. Thank you for uh, finding some time for us, and uh, always appreciate you taking taking the time with us. Sure thing. Be well. Take care. All right. Very good. There's Jesse Rogers joining us on the program via the Quiver River Electric guest line. And uh, appreciate him taking a few moments with us And what's been a uh, a busy day. And right now, look, the Cardinals, the, the one really good thing to say about the Cardinals is they've got a lot of spots on the roster pretty much available. Uh, the two or the three starting pitchers that are going to be brought in. They're going to have to rebuild uh, the bullpen a bit. The way the roster looks right now is not how the roster is going to look on opening day. That's the really good thing for the Cardinals. There are some teams that they just have so many players locked in for the next year. As you're going in November, you know that's not going to be a very active uh, offseason, so you kind of have an idea of what a team's going to look like. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that isn't good. Uh, That's not the case for the Cardinals. We really don't don't know what the Cardinals are going to look like so they've got every opportunity in the world to go make some uh very good very impactful type moves and if they do that they can start to lift themselves back up uh the division and, and jump over some of these teams that finished in front of them this past year but I, I I I agree with Jesse and I hate I hate the fact that these words are coming out of my mouth I don't want these words to come out of my mouth, but I'm never going to lie to you. Right now, the Cubs are the team to beat in the NL Central. Between the expectations and what they are right now, if you had to pick a team at this very moment, it's the Cubs. The Brewers are going to take a step back. The Brewers aren't going to have Brandon Woodruff. Uh, I don't think the Reds are quite there yet. The Pirates are the Pirates. Uh, the Cardinals are the biggest question mark in the NL Central going into next year just because they've got the opportunity to completely transform their roster. And you know what? maybe maybe this is good for the Cardinals. And this is this doesn't make a lot of sense. and what I'm saying, I realize it when you see other teams in the central doing things to make themselves better, and I think the Cubs getting Craig Council makes them better, generally like, well, that's not good for the other teams in the division. Well, maybe this is the thing, that as the Cardinals have these conversations about what they're going to do, and they're having the conversations about what it's going to take to build a roster that can win the NL Central, and obviously it's more than that. It's also building a roster that can have postseason success, that can have World Series aspirations, so on and so forth. But the the first step, the first thing you want to do is put together a roster where you say, okay, this team has a very legitimate chance of winning the division. Well, when the offseason is just barely underway and you've got a team going and signing one of the top managers in the game, that ups the ante a little bit. And everybody realizes that. And like Jesse said, the Cubs are going to be in on Shohei. I think Otani ends up with the Dodgers. I think there's like a 90% chance that he ends up with the Dodgers. But I don't think it's a 0% chance that he ends up with the Cubs. I don't know if i put it at 5%, 8%, 9%. I can't put it at 10 because then that doesn't leave open anything else for a a third team to get in there. But behind the Dodgers, I would put the Cubs as the second team with a possible opportunity to sign Otani. And again, those conversations between the Cubs and Otani many years ago went really well we've they there was no dh in the nl at that point so it just wasn't going to happen and they're also reportedly with some geographical stuff as uh he reportedly wanted to stay he wouldn't well, not stay but he reportedly wanted to be on the west coast now indications are that maybe geography doesn't matter as much to him that instead it might just be the situation and the chance to win games if that's the case. Maybe that opens up that percentage a little bit more uh, for Chicago and Otani, And if that happens, again, it ups the ante in the NL Central. If you want to be a legit player in the division, you got to be ready to put to, put together a roster that can uh, beat a roster that's being built the way they may, they may, keyword may, build it in Chicago. All right, we'll take a break. Come back, we'll continue to talk about the Cardinals and what the expectations are for this offseason as we roll on with a Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX.
1: This is the Gray Bar Sports Open line. Those bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. America's Sports Voice, King of OX.
3: We are back at it as we roll on with a Monday night edition. It's a Graybar Sports Open Line, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me as well, at Matt Pawley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air if you want to uh, get in contact with us today. Uh, the, The question that's out there. And we asked this question coming off the conversation that we just had with uh, Jesse uh, Jesse Rogers a few moments ago about the Cubs being the team to beat. Where are you at as a Cardinals fan in feeling confident that the Cardinals are going to find a way to be amongst the best teams in the NL Central? And I, I... Look, there's going to be a lot of people who are a little bit jaded, who are a little bit cynical, who hear me ask that question and kind of throw their hands up in the air and, oh, what do you mean? Look, they were a last place team this year. They aren't going to spend the money that they need to spend, so on and so forth. And I would I would respectfully and gently remind you that the Cardinals track record is that they are a team that contends in the NL Central every year. Now, their recent track record is not very good when it comes to their postseason possibilities uh, or their postseason results would be the better. Possibilities are always fine. It's the results. Uh, But they've uh, they've been, under the DeWitt ownership, they have basically, on an almost every year basis, been a team that had high-level expectations with the exception of a, a year here and a year there. So I, I get that there's going to be I think a group of of cynical fans who just have no confidence whatsoever that this team is going to put themselves in position to really improve and possibly win a division next year. I would not I would respectfully disagree with that because I think I think the Cardinals in this ownership have proven that they they do put together rosters that can win a division, but I do also at the exact same time, I think watching what's going on in Chicago as they're paying more money for a manager than any team has ever paid, that they are going to make a legitimate run at Shohei Ohtani as they do these things, I certainly think it is worth noting. Let's grab our first phone call of the day. John has given us a call. Hey, John, you are on Sports Open Line. Yes.
2: Uh, I'd like to say that I don't think the Cubs are good, really the team to beat. I mean, they're losing uh, Bellinger, Stroman. I think Ian Hatt's a free agent. No guarantee they're going to uh, be uh, the top team next year. As far as the Cardinals, uh, I think two guys I would look for as, as far as pitching uh, Patrick Corbin. He had some bad years, but uh, he's
3: a good pitcher. He finished uh, strong. Uh, and even though he's blackballed right now, I think Trevor Bauer is a guy that Cardinals should look into. I appreciate the phone call. Um, I don't I don't think Patrick Corbin makes you a whole lot better, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, the, he may have had a pretty okay finish to the season this past year, still finished with a 5.20 ERA. You look at his – he hasn't had a sub-5 ERA since 2020. That was the short in 2020 season. I just – they've got Patrick Corbin. Like, he doesn't make you better. Uh, they They don't need number three starters, number four starters. I don't know if Patrick Corbin is that uh, but that's not what they need. They need top level starters and I don't think you can make the argument that at this point Patrick Corbin is a top level starter. He's not as far as Trevor Bauer goes, uh, he's not coming to St. Louis. I think he's pitching major League Baseball next year. I think he's a really good pitcher. Uh, players don't like being teammates with him. He is not, I've heard that from a lot of people, Play. he is not a great fit inside of clubhouses. His. This doesn't even get into any of the stuff that he's been accused of or anything else. Like I, am, I fully recognize the fact that uh, there was some evidence that came out that actually made him look a whole lot better in terms of some of the accusations against him. Uh, so not even getting into the accusations and, and all that sort of stuff, just who he is, he kind of grinds teammates in a 162 game uh, season that's really challenging that's tough to get by and I don't but at the same time I think it's good that he's on the market and I think it's good that maybe another team will sign him because that's one more starting pitcher that's out there so if another team signs him, that's one team that might not need a starting pitcher let's grab another John real quick John you're on sports open line
2: Hey Matt, hey, I don't think any of us know what's going to happen next. I mean, this has never happened under this leadership of Moseley and Dewitt. I mean, I, I, I have you know, I'm, I'm 65. I was here in 1990 the last time they they had a season like this, but this is different. I mean, this came this came out of nowhere, and uh, I don't I don't think any of us know what's going to happen. I, I. I pray to God he gets two starting pitchers and uh, revamps the bullpen. And
3: I, I'm not worried about our offense.
2: I except runners in scoring position. Can't figure that one out. But
3: yeah, John, yeah. I, I think you speak for a lot of Cardinals fans, and I appreciate the phone call. This is a this is a very different spot. This is the most important offseason in the Dewitt era. This is the most important offseason since 1996. And they are coming from a place that they really have not been at in a long time. And I have confidence that they're going to do what they need to do to put themselves back in a spot where they can contend for a division. But to do that, it's going to take a lot of work. And you got to kind of keep up with the Joneses on it because I think the Cubs are going to be very active as well. Our first John that called said he didn't think the Cubs were the team to beat. I don't know if if it's the Brewers because they're the reigning champions. I just – I have – Again, they don't have Brandon Woodruff at all next year. They just lost their manager in a weird way. The reports are that every single player on that roster is available for trade right now. Uh, If you read the tea leaves, the Brewers are going to take a step back. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought the Brewers were going to take a step back this past season and they won the division, so I don't have the greatest track record when it comes to predicting these things, but I think they take a step back. It's a great bar sports open line on KMOX.
1: Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Talks football, family, and more. Monday nights during Sports Open Line. Only on America's Sports Voice. KMOX.
3: with a Graybar Sports Open line here on KMOX. My name is Matt Paulie Coming up in the 7 o'clock hour, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Mizzou football. They had a huge, huge win on Saturday, and now they have really set themselves up for some special this weekend. Uh, Jacob Sorsasmo from uh, Channel 4 KMOV, he's going to join us about 7.20. Our weekly conversation with uh, Patrick Mahomes is provided uh, by our sister station, 610 Sports in Kansas City. We'll come up at about 7.35 and we got our guys, Hancock and Kelly, coming in at 7.50. I had something happen to me on Saturday night. I went to the uh, the Jerry Seinfeld-Jim Gaffigan show over at the Enterprise Center. And the show was fantastic. I'm a big Seinfeld guy. I've never seen him live. It was a bucket list item to uh, to be able to see Seinfeld. And that was what my uh, wife got me for my birthday back in August. So that was a great birthday gift. And uh, it was great to see them. But something happened during the show and I want to discuss it with Hancock and Kelly. So we'll do that about an hour from now. Just want to want to mention, give credit, give accolades where accolades are deserved to uh, what happened with St. Louis University athletics over the weekend. And we'll go in reverse. We'll start with Sunday. The St. Louis University women's basketball team gets a win against Mizzou, where they outscore the Tigers in the fourth quarter. 36 to 21, as you heard right here on KMOX. Last year, it was so much fun to watch the SLU women progress from who they were at the beginning of the season, which was an okay team, to who they were at the end of the season when they were a conference champion team, an NCAA tournament team. And now here we are right at the start of the season and in the first you know week plus of the season i guess just under a week was the college basketball season started this past monday and the sunday following that monday they get a win against a power 5 opponent an sec opponent a regional rival in missouri that is a fantastic 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 win for the SLU women, so congratulations going to them, and hopefully that is just going to continue to show uh, what's going to happen moving forward for them. So that was on Sunday. On Saturday, the Billiken men's basketball team, they were able to uh, keep their undefeated record intact. They get a win against Illinois State, winning 80-71. Good performance. This is more the type of opponents they're going to be seeing, especially once they get into uh, conference play and uh, the players that you kind of expect to come up big did so. Uh, uh, Gibson Jefferson 20 points and Sierra Parker scored 19. Terrence Hargrove Jr., who's had a fantastic start to see his season, he scores 12. And then one night before that, how about the St. Louis University women's soccer team? They pick up a win at home in the NCAA tournament. They defeat the Hoosiers of Indiana by a 2-0 score at Herman Stadium, and they advance to the second round of the NCAA tournament. They are going to head to University Park, Pennsylvania, and they are going to take on Georgetown in a second-round matchup that's going to be coming up on Friday. So. Kudos all the way around to everything going on with Billiken Athletics. That was a fantastic weekend. Women's basketball, men's basketball, women's soccer. If you are a Billiken fan, you've got a lot of reason to be proud after a fantastic weekend. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line on KWx.
1: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.